0: <laughs> you don't you don't you see you don't have to answer my point is made
1: for those who are listening in to us for um on our podcast welcome we are joined today by dr Gosana moyo who was the 2018 presidential candidate candidate For his party um, Alliance for the People's Agenda, APA. He is the founder of the Mandela Institute for Development Studies, the former VP of the African African Development Bank and much, much more. Um, We are really honoured to have you here today to speak to us, two girls in the diaspora, about what is happening in Zimbabwe today. We are very interested and we are very passionate about Zimbabwe, you know, both of us being from Zimbabwe, we want to know more about, you know, your take, we want to have a bit of a discussion in regards to where, you, where, is, where Zimbabwe is right now, where you see it going. Um, and to literally, just to get started, there has literally, there is so much that is happening in Zimbabwe at the moment. Um, to start off with, we have a crumbling healthcare system. Zimbabwe has been, um, it's been reported to have the second highest inflation rate worldwide. Um, We see doctors and, and nurses are relentlessly calling for better working conditions. The Zimbabwe Stock Exchange has been closed. There's been a stop to bulk mobile payments. Getting a passport, something a basic human right is it seems like to be a dream for so many people like what are your thoughts in regards to what's happening and there's been also more reports in regards to the corruption in zimbabwe and all these things that kind of really crush one's spirit because you feel like where are we going as a country but what are your thoughts in in this regard
0: okay so what, what i need to just be noted order to answer your question not what do you do uh, you uh, Only trained as a nurse, but I'm not sure what you're doing at the moment. And that's what did you train as?
2: Um, so I studied banking and finance, um, but I currently uh, work in consulting uh, and policy.
0: Okay, so good enough for me. So, the reason why that's where I want to start is because both of you understand professional processes Mm -hmm. in the spaces where you are trained and where you work you understand that there is suitability for a job and there is preparation for that job. Mm -hmm. And you also, because of the disciplines that you work in, you'll also understand the concept of causality. Mm -hmm. Certain actions have got certain consequences and you need to understand very clearly when you're looking at certain outcomes, you have to be able to relate them to what happened before in order for those outcomes to be what they are, right? So, when, uh, uh, when you describe what is going on here, you've touched a number of things which are all true. But I think what we need to do is go back to understand the root cause of what is going on,
3: okay. yeah?
0: Because there is a, a basic driver mm-hmm. which is making all these things to happen. Right. So, we are not able to compensate Any professional within this country in the public sector appropriately, except when they steal money, they compensate themselves through stealing money. Right, so corruption, basically. Even if if we wish to compensate them properly, we would not be able to do so because our economy is not working. Mm -hmm. So the economy is not working to produce the resources that we need to compensate our public sector appropriately. Mm -hmm. So the question then we have to ask is, why is the economy not working? Is it because Zimbabwe does not have natural resources and the endowments that are necessary for us to run a functioning economy? And the answer, as you know, is that actually this country is well endowed with natural resources, starting with one of the most critical ones, which is people.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Zimbabwe has got very good people very compliant people actually. Zimbabweans are very institutional in their makeup, which is why this place is not up in smoke in terms of a revolution. We are much more inclined to be institutional.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Our work ethic is recognized globally. There is no country that does not accept or appreciate that Zimbabweans are hard-working people. Correct. Right. And that's where I want to start because all the other resources, all the other natural resources. Require this critical resource, which is human capital, in order to translate those other resources into wealth. Right? Then we move back from human resources, the more to ask for. Our approach to education, training, all very disciplined. Yeah? Even our uneducated parents understand that. When you then look to natural resources other than our human capital, Look at our mineral resources. Look at our weather in terms of its ability to accommodate tourism, for instance. The mineral wealth that we've got is unrivaled. Look at our land in terms of potential for agriculture, unrivaled. So all the production elements that we need, inputs that we need to run a thriving economy are all in place. So then we move to the next thing. So if this is all in place, mm-hmm. and yet we've got a dysfunctional economy, what is missing? So is the poli- What is missing-
2: Is it the politics? What is
0: missing is leadership. Mm. Yeah. Now, this is where I want us to revisit the conversation we've just been having prior to us starting formally. Our inclination is Zimbabweans, is to blame ZANU and the President Mnangagwa and President Mgabe before him and so on and so on. You know, I think that we're making a big mistake because actually these people are representative of what Zimbabweans are like because it is our collective failure to understand how to choose a leader that is leading us where we are. Right. My own humble opinion, and I know this is controversial given you are recording, but I'm going to tell you that I am, I am tempted, and I might still do it, and I have a Facebook Live to try to explain why in a learning nation, presidents like President Trump and President Mnangagwa are good for society.
1: Okay.
0: Yes, I can see I can see opening her eyes and saying, okay. What is this? <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let me explain why. Okay. I said, remember what I said. I said in a learning society, mm-hmm. presidents like Trump and Nangawa
3: mm-hmm.
0: are a good event to happen. But if the society itself is does not learn, then they are no good. I can okay. guarantee, or I can almost put money on the table. Trump is not going to get reelected. But, but the only reason why that—sorry, go on.
2: Can I just interject there?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
2: okay, so um, I, I, I hear you about um, Trump, for example, being an event, and you talked about causality. We can talk about how an Obama presidency created a trump right and i think from what what i'm hearing from you is you're saying that the electorate and and the population we have a role to play in terms of who the leaders are however i guess my question to you is is really in two parts right um because i think it's been well documented that i mean zimbabwe for example i i I think it would be really short-sighted to Um, look at a Nangagwa presidency, because we know that we've had one ruling party in place for years, and we've had Mm -hmm. a system that where corruption is baked into every aspect of that system, Mm -hmm. right? Um, Mm -hmm. And there is also an information gap with the population, for example. So there are some people, for example, who MDC is arguably the—I mean, it's not arguably; it's a fact. It is the 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 main opposition, right? In terms mm-hmm. of numbers, um, but there are still some people who don't know, you know, who who didn't even know Tangri or don't know who Nelson Chamisa is, right? Like in, in some part of. But the-
0: not 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 no. So let me now interject. Let me stop you right
3: there. Let
2: me know right. Who's
0: this? <laughs> No, 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 just hold on. we okay. we, we having a conversation. Whose responsibility is for citizens to know?
2: No, no I, I, I get you. I, okay. So let me ask my question and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back to the citizens. Okay. So I guess, you know, in light of, um, I think, us as, 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 as a citizen, as a population, like I said, there's been information suppression for a very long time. We're still a country that has one. TV station, ZBC, there's been people that have tried here and there, but it's been suppressed. Um, in terms of radio, it's very minimal. So there's no room for um, d- different views as it were, although I think that's where social media and the internet have played a role. So and I think as, as we're getting to that point where people are more vocal. But we can then talk about who that is, because it perhaps is the diaspora. So I guess my question to you is what is APA's role? What is Dr. Nkosana's role right now in- No
0: no 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 you're go- you going too fast. You are going too fast. Really? Let's stay at the city. Yeah, we will get to we'll get to me and Appa later. Okay. Let's you stay at I want us to I want us to stay at the citizen level first.
2: Yes, let let's do that.
0: We will absolutely will absolutely get to Appa. We'll absolutely get to Nkosana. We'll no problem. Yeah. So let me tell you something. I asked you because you were ladies about your love, not quite your love life, but your love, you know, whether you were married or not.
3: Yeah.
0: You understand the concept of contestation, right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
0: If I am interested in you and another man is interested in you, mm-hmm. that's why the English coined a phrase which says, all is fair in war and love. You understand what that means? Yeah. It means both. It means both of us will pull out of the book all the tricks possible to win you. That's what it means. That's so contestation.
1: Using whatever means uh, within
0: your power. Yes, that is, that is contestation. And I, 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 I try to make Zimbabweans understand that politics is, is exactly the same. There is nothing that you should expect from ZANU where it takes action to make itself lose. It's never going to happen. It will not happen. So the only question that you need to ask yourself and we need to ask ourselves as citizens Hmm. is how do we outsmart Zan? Right. Don't keep preaching and expecting them to behave like they're coming out of a church. They're never going to do that. So if you're really smart and you understand contestation, the only question worth asking is how do you outsmart them? Understanding that they'll pull all the tricks possible to try and win.
1: So are you when saying that- you
0: switch, when you switch into that mode of thinking, mm-hmm. I can guarantee you will beat them as a citizen will beat them? But, have, so but you- at the moment, at the moment we we are inclined to be very preachy, i.e., we expect them to be nice people, we expect them to do things that make them lose. Mm-hmm. It doesn't happen. So, it's just an unfounded expectation.
1: But Dr. Mo, so, but, Doctor Mo, are you saying that, um, up, you know, so the, the 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 past few years we have been failing to outsmart ZANU?
0: Oh, so absolutely. Your, your oh, party. Oh, absolutely. So, let part, let, let, let me, part, me just give you an example. Let me give you a, an example of the last election. Yes. How do you get a party like MDC, which has got so much coverage, which is actually well resourced? we yeah. going to take, go a, take in a court case where they couldn't produce V11s for every um, polling station. How? Who, who is to blame for that? How do you go to battle and then not be clear what it is you need to do to win? I
1: hey. feel like you're setting yourself in the foot a little bit because what then in 2018, where did APA go wrong?
0: So if I about- said we're going to come we're, we're going to come to that but I want you to really understand the citizen's issue first. Okay. So, because oh. it the rest is very easy to deal with once we have understood citizen the- responsibility. Right. Okay. Yeah.
2: And, and and I think I take that point. There's definitely yeah. citizen responsibility. Uh, but I think the point that I wanted to sort of um impress was the fact that I, I, I think it's a bit unfair to wholly... Um, life,
0: is, uh, life is unfair, by
2: oh, the way. But, <laughs> Dr. Moyo, um, hear me out. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, so when we talk about, you know, outsmarting ZANU-PF, right, we are talking about a, a party that is militarized, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you outsmart... Um, an entity that has all the state organs at its disposal, that has the military at its disposal. We know that even from from the beginning of our independence. Even if we go back to 1983, 1984, at the beginning of Kukurawundi, we know that you know that the the state military was was at the forefront of attacking what they considered to be opposition. So that's the history that we're coming from. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's a bit unfair to... I think we need to sort of map the journey of citizens in a post-Rhodesia country, right?
0: Okay. So okay. Let, let, me, let, me try, let me try to persuade you uh, away from using the word unfair. If you say unreasonable, we can debate. Okay. The, minute you use the, you, the minute you use the concept of fairness... Mm-hmm. you are you are in the, playing in the wrong field because you go back to what I told you that our expectation mm-hmm. is fairness. I just gave you something which you should if you take nothing or any anything away from this conversation, just remember all is fair in war and love mm-hmm. so the don't don't let yourself get attached to the word unfair okay, okay. all is fair okay so if you say um, I, what's the word? Unjustified to structure that way. We can debate. But mm-hmm. fairness is going to lead you in a bad place. But so let me, yeah. So Zimbabwe is militarized you, right? The issue still stands. When you're going to war, if I may put it like that, mm-hmm. let me use the land issue because it's a good example. Yeah. When you are a general and you're leading an army against another army, It is your responsibility to do a SWOT analysis as cold bloodedly as possible. Mm -hmm. What are their strengths and weaknesses? What are your strengths and weaknesses in order to understand what options realistically you have of taking them Mm on? What did we do wrong on the land issue? We, We behaved as if we had the resources as Zimbabwe to take on the Brits and the Americans in a particular way, and they think that we could get away with it. Does it mean we we were wrong to want to get the land back? The answer is no, we were not wrong. Were we strategic, however, about the methods we chose of doing it? The answer was totally unstrategic. Because we let our emotions run away with us. Emotions are not a good way to formulate strategy. Yeah. If Zimbabwe at that time had taken, for my own speculation, if we had taken the army and sent it out right through the country and said to the army, you are responsible for making sure that no life is lost. Not one person is killed during the land takeover process. Not one farmer is killed. I have got a feeling that would have got away with it and would be in a totally different place. The minute we allowed our people in a state-sponsored way to kill people and kill farmers, we lost. And we lost not because of what the cause was wrong. We lost because we were not thoughtful in terms of strategy. So we were taking on somebody much stronger, somebody much bigger, both militarily and economically. But we did not take that into account. And therefore, we didn't formulate the appropriate strategy. Your your identification, which is absolutely spot on. All the institutions in this country are militarized. All the institutions which are supposed to be state institutions have been turned into ZANU institutions. So you have to absolutely understand that is a reality that you are dealing with. Uh Whatever strategy you then come up with must be filtered through that lens to say, does it pass or not? If you don't do that, you fail before you start.
3: Yeah.
0: Okay, so let me proceed in, in answering you. Here is the beauty about this country all the people that you've identified who are in the public sector and therefore are, in theory, a, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they've been captured. Yeah, they've been captured. The fortunate thing about this country is that every single one of them is related to somebody. In fact, most of them now are suffering the same way that most Zimbabweans are suffering. Therefore, if you play your cards correctly, you will be able, just in the same way that in any war, there are spies from the same community. Remember, I worked in government, I worked in government in a ZANU control system. Mm-hmm. I had people who supported me in spite of the fact that I was not ZANU. When I left, I had people who sent messages to me, including my driver and my PA, that I'd done the right thing. And they were penalized for it afterwards, i.e., how would I got away without them reporting on me? We should not make a big... A, you see, one of the biggest mistakes we could make is to assume that everybody who carries a ZANU card mm-hmm. is an enemy. A lot of them are not. They are in the system because they have to feed their families, but they are not sympathetic to what's going on. So you have to respect and understand why they would stay where they are and do not make an assumption which accuses them and takes them as enemies. It makes you begin to navigate your way of finding allies very, very differently. Mm. Okay, that's
2: that's fair. You've said a lot, <laughs> there's a lot to digest. <laughs> so, I think on the citizen point, we'll probably come mm-hmm. back to it. Um, but I, 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 I then wanted to kind of turn to saying, I, I know you know, we, I wanted to turn to now talking about political parties and particularly ARPA because mm-hmm. political parties are made up of citizens, and Absolutely. political parties are one vehicle that citizens. Um, mobilize and make the change that they need to and you talked about what analysis for citizens and we we probably can come back to that Um, so I guess my question to you was so we know that in the 2018 elections according to the figures that we have approximately 4.8 million Zimbabweans voted in 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 that vote Um, and your candidacy received approximately 0.31 percent of that vote
3: Right?
2: Yeah. So, my mm-hmm. question to you and to APA generally is Have you done a performance review of 2018? Um, mm-hmm. If you have, what are the lessons learned and what is the way forward for the party? And, mm-hmm. and I know citizens have a role to play, um, but has, has that exercise happened in APA?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And so now we can do the APA and the issue. That's fine by me yes so the starting point is that apa wants to introduce a politics that is totally different in this country you can ask why and the reason is very simple the politics we've practiced to date is in fact the cause of the results we've got to date so if you can't continue doing the same thing as you've done before and you get a particular result and then expect that You continue doing the same thing, but you get a different result. How would that happen? We've done the same thing for 40 years. No, maybe to be fair, not 40 years, but for at least 20 years, in the sense, the life of the MDC to date, yeah? And we've got the same result. So we should be doing a self-examination to say, what is it about Zimbabwean politics current configuration which is producing very bad results? My humble opinion, is that we've allowed ourselves to to have politics of patronage even in the campaign. In other words, you give people something in order for them to vote for you, as opposed to help people develop a process which allows them to understand that actually, firstly, as far as the government is concerned, government takes from the citizens and pretends to be giving them something But government is giving back the people their own stuff. The money used to buy fertilizer and what have you is tax money. Where does it come from? From the citizens. And people have not yet understood that ZAN is giving them nothing. ZAN is giving back to the people what is taken from the people in taxation form, right? So we need to disabuse citizens for them to understand the politics of buying the vote as a structure. You can't say, uh, buy a T-shirt for me, buy food for me, buy fertilizer for me, and then in the same breath say, by the way, I don't like corruption. That's an oxymoron. Mm -hmm. You've sown the seeds of corruption from day one by saying, I want you to buy my Mm vote. And I have to tell you that right through the campaign, there is not a single person I engaged who did not suddenly stop in their tracks and say, wow, I'd never thought of it that way we in our behavior as citizens are promoting corruption say here's the second stage of that particular issue when i as a candidate go and start buying things for the population of zimbabwe can you stop yourself and ask where you think i'm getting the money from where would i be getting the money from to be able to campaign splashing money all over the place it means Either somebody is giving me that money or I'm borrowing that money on the back of a promise that if I'm elected, this is what I'll do. So i will sold your country up front. I mm-hmm. would have sold your country up front, right? That's the, the, what it means. So the meaning, so APA's approach mm-hmm. is to try to go on a journey of educating citizens to understand their own role in the kind of politics that we have.
3: Right.
0: And the APA's other strategy is to accept that this could be a long journey, but we don't mind. I don't have to ever be president of this country. But I would like to think that along the way, APA will produce a president for this country. Mm -hmm. On the basis of the foundation that APA is going to lay over a number of years is necessary. Mm -hmm. We are prepared to do that. I mean, you as ladies, you must understand, look at where you are in the UK just read, read a bit of history about the suffragettes, mm-hmm. women, and the journey that they, they came through in order to eventually get the vote and things like this. Mm-hmm. You, it's not a, a, a short-term, it's a long-term project. And yeah. that's way it's going to be. No,
3: so,
2: and, and I, I, sorry, God. I, um, I'm happy to hear you saying that it's a, it's a long journey. I, I know even in your manifesto, um you know you 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 had up had a 60 month 120 month uh plan um should, should you get into office so i think in terms of um just going back to the question about the performance review and the SWOT analysis for upper and and yourself um i know so it sounds like from what you're saying you're saying that you you, you were happy or are happy with the approach that you took in 2018 and you would continue doing that, which is yeah. engaging citizens. So, are you still um, are, are you still against rallies and, and some of the the traditional? We, no, we
0: don't. We never did, and we never did any rallies, and we're not going to do any rallies. We do town hall meetings. Okay. And again, let me explain the difference. Mm-hmm. You know, when you meet with a small group of people, so the three of us are having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I can extend that number to twenty, maybe even fifty people or stretching it, and they have a conversation where I put my thoughts on the table, and the other side has got an opportunity to actually quiz me about what I mean, explain this, want to understand it better. rally, that doesn't happen. Mm. They just hype up your emotion. You've got no opportunity to ask. You walk away literally no better in terms of your awareness of what that person stands for. There is no interaction I ever did where people were not able to quiz and ask and say, oh, now I understand. No, I disagree, and so on and so on. So for us, the proper way of engaging will continue to be at most town halls and no rallies. Okay. But here is again the citizen element. So Zimbabwe is supposed to be a highly literate society. Remember, our fundamental uh, philosophy in our campaign was the following. We are going to engage with citizens on the basis that all of the people we talk to, if they agree with what we're saying, should then own the agenda and restrict themselves to communicating with their friends and family only. Why? Because we understand how toxic our environment is. CIO is everywhere. We don't want to endanger people unnecessarily. but So we are passing on the responsibility to the people who understand the message to say, you are a better place to talk to your friends and family because you know them. You know who you might be CEO or who is not. You can protect yourself and not endanger anybody else. If Zimbabweans did that, this country would change just like that. It comes back to the citizens. Are we prepared to take on the responsibility of changing our own country or are we not?
1: Can I I ask, like, um, you carried out a SWOT analysis of what happened in 2018, and yet it sounds to me that you are wanting to carry on using the same methods that didn't necessarily get you forward, but you, are, you know, the town hall meetings, it sounds to me, and, and again, um, it, it sounds very foreign to me because we are used to like rallies and maybe that is what people of Zimbabwe are used to as well. It sounds very um, almost elitist, can I say, where you kind of bring people together um, in, a little, in a little room and have such a discussion. I think it's, it, sounds, it, it's, it sounds good on paper. But then, are you taking away from what people know best? And is it maybe not? Uh, 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 is it not? Would you not consider doing perhaps both approaches into to attract a wider uh, range
0: of people to come in to, to hear about but, what? Uh, Lord, Lord, let me reverse the question. This this thing that you're saying, people are familiar with. That you seem to want to promote. What results has it given us?
1: Okay, so it hasn't produced, uh, I mean, for, for, my point is, like, for APA, you guys didn't
0: No, 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 so before we go to APA, as a country, this methodology that people are familiar with, mm-hmm. what results has it given us?
1: I guess it's given us the same system, the same corrupt system that we have been used to for the
0: past few years. So why would you promote it? Spare.
2: Okay. I swear. Yeah. <laughs> I, okay I, I, my follow up would be, um, I, I, I hear that and um, I, I, I see why, why that would be um, one approach because people are more likely to, uh, you know, my family and friends are more likely to hear me out um, rather than an external party. However, I, I feel like it's, it's almost like it's a toolkit. You have a toolkit and different things that you can use as a political party. So that could be one of them, but granted- let, I, let, me
0: tell, I, let me tell you what the driver is. Maybe we need to just square up and be very honest about this.
3: Hmm.
0: I am not desperate to be president of Zimbabwe. Okay. And I'm not, going to, I'm not going to do it at any cost.
3: Right.
0: I just am not going to do it. I believe in something, and I would rather take time promoting that belief which I think in the medium to long term will produce a totally different Zimbabwe than continue playing into a structure which I know will produce results we don't want. You know, people think that when they support APA, they are are doing APA and Kosana a favor. Mm. It's a big problem. So I'm not going to do things which people think I'm doing you a favor. I want people to invest in their own country for themselves and their families and their children. Once they start reformulating it like that, they are free to choose. For me, if you follow the correct process and choose somebody else who is not Ngosana Moyo, but who then delivers the results, I'm okay with it. I want Zimbabwe to thrive, not necessarily for Ngosana to be a president. But I'm also convinced that the method of making Zimbabwe thrive is not the current
2: method. Right. Okay. Okay. Can I just follow up? I, I think it's it's very interesting that you said um, I, I forget exactly what you said. That you're not desperate to be president because yeah. that that comes across. <laughs> yeah. That comes across. And I think for me personally, when I've had conversations uh, with people, it's, it's, it's very interesting because on one hand, I think we actually need someone who's not desperate to be president uh, because we know that they're not going to, because as you said, if you were to, to, to win, you'd be a one-term president. So that I think there's a part of it which is kind of like really like, yeah, you know, we need someone who doesn't, who's not desperate. But on the other hand, And not just for Zimbabwe, just generally when you talk about politics, there is a performance that comes with uh, wanting to be a candidate. You can be the most skilled, you can be the most intelligent, you could be a former Harvard Law Review president, but you still have to do that performance of, you know, almost like showing people that... You know, please vote for me. You have to hold babies. You have to show that enthusiasm. Um,
0: Yeah. Yeah, but but you see, that's fascinating. Let me tell you what the the kind of performance um, I think the citizens should be asking for. This interaction, I want you to start judging me not because I came and kissed your baby, but because I was able to address your issues in a manner that was credible and which you could understand. That is the performance I want. If we want our country to be managed competently, that is the performance. I'm saying we ought to persuade our fellow citizens to look for. Okay. In the process, let's go back to your professional. You are professional. You know that in any company, when you want to fill a job, before you even send out an advert, you, the owners of the company, need to make a decision about what is the job description? What are you looking for? where is the gap in what you're looking for? You then write a job description so that when the applications come in, you've got a template against which to then sift the CVs that have been submitted. Once you've done that, you then interview the candidates. You then look at their track record, what they, they've ever done in there. So there is a process issue which I'm trying to persuade my fellow citizens to say, guys, If we are going to ever elect the right person, Mm -hmm. let's adopt this methodology. Not because they came and kissed my baby and bought me fertilizer. That's what we've done. And look at where we are today.
1: Yeah. I appreciate appreciate that. We need to do things differently in order to have different results. What would you say then... um, you know, are you hopeful for 2023? And if APA does, um, you know, if you if you were to, to win the 2023 presidential elections, what would your first, what would your priorities be, or what would whoever is in um, in power at that point, what would their priorities be um, to take?
0: Okay, up? let's start it. <laughs> I think maybe in in a in a kind of strange sort of way, I think that for APA, it's a good thing that. Mnangagwa is the president at the moment.
3: Okay,
0: Because I think that there is a sudden, in a lot of Zimbabweans, there is a sudden realization Mm -hmm. that things can really get bad when you choose the wrong person. I think a lot of Zimbabweans are waking up to this reality. So in many ways, it's like again an oxymoron, but I think Mnangagwa is serving a very good purpose of waking up Zimbabweans to understand that we have to up our, our, our actions, so to speak, and begin to be smarter in terms of what we're looking for. Okay. Yeah? Now, in terms of what we will do as upper, again, I don't, think, I don't think this is complicated. Go back to the conversation. You started by telling me in the health sector, I mean, our economy, our country, in virtually every, every respect, is collapsed. Mm-hmm. Why? People worry about... Exchange rates the monetary policies and fiscal policy. It's all rubbish because the root cause is poor management of the economy That is the root cause you get that fixed plus zero tolerance for corruption plus Management based on meritocracy not on the basis of patronage and you know Who is my relative and so on and so on if you get those things sorted out constitutionalism, meritocracy in management, uh, understanding how investors be, behave, what are they looking for. If you ever been an investor, you understand how financial institutions work in terms of getting your economy sorted out. Things about how the world works today and you respecting human rights, firstly, you should respect human rights because you care for your citizens anyway, right? That's the starting point. But you cannot escape attaching that also to the reality that when you are seen to ignore human rights, there is a very narrow part of the world that is going to have a good relationship with you. So our whole re-engagement exercise, when we continue to kill our own people, is a bit futile. Yeah? It's like we don't know what we're doing. We don't understand what it takes to get a country back on its feet and be able to relate to the world in a constructive and supportive way, and attract foreign direct investment. All of these things will depend on proper governance, Mm -hmm. constitutionalism. We've got our own constitution of 2013, which we absolutely don't respect. And the world looks at us and says, who are these people? What are they? Yeah. So it's not complicated. Get those things sorted out. In other words, zero tolerance for corruption. Yeah, constitutionalism. Because constitutionalism helps your own citizens to believe in their own institutions and government, so that it's a national effort to get us going. These are very few, a handful of things. To get those right, Zimbabwe will flourish. And I don't think that it will take more than a couple of two, three years to get Zimbabwe beginning to trend positively, in order to give people confidence that this country is going in the right direction. That's yes. all it will take. Very little time. And in fix- Because the fundamentals are there. Yeah.
2: And in fixing the economy, like which three sectors would you focus on? Would, would you pour money? Well, the
0: the down- easy, you know, when we, you know what? Low hanging fruit. Mm. With, with very little money input, the, the private sector can take care of mining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The private sector, largely combined with the public sector, can take care of agriculture. With a little bit of investment to make to make the infrastructure uh, amenable and acceptable, tourism can flourish. These three can be done almost overnight.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what it's the, complicated.
1: Uh, what are your thoughts though on the healthcare? Um, the healthcare, the healthcare in Zimbabwe at the moment. I think like you've already alluded that it is crumbling and just as a, a lot of other things are. Um, there was a report that was leaked um, I, I think a few weeks or months ago um, saying that at Mpulo Hospital like the cost of um, an, a night in ICU was like 5,000 US dollars a night. Mm. Like there is so much that is going on in regards to to healthcare people, the, the doctors and the nurses are obviously again crying out for better working conditions. Yeah. Is that something that you would, how, how would, how, what, what are your thoughts in, in like in that respect with where there is so much money that is needed for, for, for just for, for life, for your life to be preserved, you need to yeah. have, and unfortunately many people are, many people don't.
0: Okay. So I'm going to give you my answer in two parts. And the, the first part you are the expert, feel free to contradict, correct, whatever. So the first part is a financial one. Mm -hmm. Our our prioritization in the use of money stinks. Mm -hmm. We've spent, just now literally, we've spent millions buying vehicles for senior civil servants and diplomats. When our people in hospitals are dying. So it's not like we don't have the money we just have got a totally messed up way of prioritizing the resources we have. So for me, the first part in dealing with our health system would be to look at the resources we have and prioritize life in that sense of making sure that sufficient resources go to making the infrastructure we already have function properly because the hospitals are there already. It's not like we're needing to start off by building new hospitals. Mm -hmm. They are there already. But we are taking money and putting it into buying trinkets and externalizing some of it in the life. Crazy stuff. So that's the first component, prioritization and putting resources to make sure that what is there already works well. The second bit, which is where your expertise is probably going to trump my view, but here is my view. I think in the healthcare system, you reduce the burden on the system by putting resources in primary healthcare. Mm-hmm. Yeah? So, in other words, take care of primary health in order to minimize the need for people to go into, into institutions. Mm-hmm. What are we doing? Again, we're taking money and wasting it on vehicles and the people are drinking water that is causing them to, to, to develop diseases. Mm. We are totally rational in our behavior. So for me, primary health care, water and sanitation, in order to take care of the base, to minimize the referral into hospitals uh, flow. that's how I would, I would deal with the, the healthcare system.
1: Okay, no, that's fair. And what are your thoughts on like, um, you know, obviously, there's a lot of, you, you mentioned before that people are part of the economy. By the
0: way, by the way, if you had an opportunity, I challenge you to take these same questions and go and ask any of the 23 other candidates and see what answers you get. <laughs> <laughs> but how would you
1: how would you invest in the people? Like, you know, there's a lot of... I, I would say, education wealth of, in people outside Zimbabwe. How would you invest in keeping the people who are already working as nurses in Zimbabwe, who are working as doctors in the healthcare system, how would you invest in them to keep them there? Because right okay, now... So I,
0: let me tell you something. Human, human uh, behavior is not always about absolute. So in, when you are paid, when you join a company, Mm -hmm. and you are offered a particular salary. When you don't know the total salary structure in the company, you will accept a certain number. But when you wake up tomorrow and get to understand that Nkosana who is maybe less qualified than you, is being paid more money, Mm -hmm. you get outraged. Of
3: course, yeah.
0: Okay? So you need to understand which bitch you are dealing with. If Zimbabweans were told by a leader of this country that for the next three years, we are all going to have to tighten our belts because our country, we're having to embark on a recovery program. Mm -hmm. But if they could see that everybody, starting with the president, him him or herself, is also living, being true to that message, a lot of Zimbabweans will put up with sacrifice to get their country out of where it is. Yeah? But when they are being told that go and eat what was it what did he say go and eat vegetables and whatever and then he's hiring private jets Mm. people say okay i don't understand this Mm. i don't and then they see every other day senior civil servants are driving expensive brand new cars which is coming from your tax money again people say so what does this message mean Mm. so the first stage is making sure that what you are asking of the people can be reconciled with your own behavior. When you do that, and as the country gets more resources and you create transparency where those resources are going, I think a lot of Zimbabweans will put in the necessary sacrifice for a couple of years to get the country back on its feet.
3: Mm.
0: Yeah, But the resources that are present must also be seen to be being dealt with equitably right or as you prioritize you must be open with the nation to say for instance this issue of water and sanitation where you know that the disease burden is going to cripple the system if you go to the population and say listen this is the cake we've got we propose as your government that we should take so much of it And in the next couple of years, prioritize this sector, and these are the reasons. Again, you engage with people in a rational and transparent way. It does not mean everybody will agree, but I think the majority will agree to be able for you to execute that plan.
1: I agree with that. I think the problem is is that we have been sold so many lies, so to speak. You know, there's a lot of promise that is that promises that are made prior to elections, you know. And of course, you have people who then come up and who will speak very passionately about, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to this is these are the changes that we are going to put in place. But how how can how would you get or how would you encourage people to say to listen to say, to, first of all, to listen to what you're saying, and also to believe in the words that you have spoken, because you know the past few minutes we've been speaking. Um, you have you. you as a politician you are selling us you know all the good things about that could potentially happen the things that needs to change yes we are working in a system that has been um you know mismanaged a system that has that is not working and because we're used to doing things differently but here you are you're saying let's do things differently let's talk let's change your the the way people think but how after you have captured people how do you then keep your, keep to your word that this is how I'm going to be transparent. How then do you keep to your word and keep the, the people in your party as well? How do they keep their words to the people?
0: So let me tell you what. We, we, I am not a politician. You want me to be a politician. Okay. You've been trying to persuade me to be a politician. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. You've been saying to me Go and behave like all these other politicians in order for people to vote for you. And I'm not going to do it because I'm not a politician. I'm a manager. Okay, right. That's point number one. Okay. Point number two, I am the only person in this country who walked out of a position of influence voluntarily. You know it. Zimbabweans know it. But we choose to ignore it. The only truth you've got is history. You can't, you can't tell a lie about history. Anybody else can promise anything in the future. But when you want to do a screen to test whether what you're being told is what a likelihood of happening, try to look into the past. What is the track record? Mm. That's all I can tell you. No,
2: no, no. And and I think that's uh, that's definitely one thing that um, I know when you became a candidate, you know, people were saying, oh, but he was in government and people were quite clear in saying, well, actually, you know, he's the only... I think there's someone else, I forget his name. Um, you were you're one of
0: the two. No, but the other person, the other person resigned because his daughter had leaked examination papers to the public. Remember?
2: Um, okay, yes, yes. But I,
0: I walked out because I disagreed. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. And, and policy yeah.
2: And then that's, that's definitely commendable. And I think uh, you're right in saying that people should look at that track record. So talking about track records and being in government, I'm assuming that at the time that you took that position, you know, you took it in earnest, hoping that uh, you'd really be able to manage and bring your skills to it. I just wanted to ask you about uh, the Minister of Finance, Mutuli Nubik. Um, As someone who you know, you've worked in finance and in the development world um, How do you think he's doing a That's part a and uh, I think secondly um, If if you were him as a technocrat, would you have resigned by now?
0: So the, the last question is easy to answer. Yes, I would have left by now Okay, how he's doing uh, you know how he's doing because the question actually should not be how he is doing. Mm. Mutuli Mube is part of a team.
3: Yeah,
0: you understand. He's right. part of a team like any other team whether it's a football team, a netball team, or whatever. So if if you take a, which team, which football teams do you know in Zimbabwe?
2: Highlanders, obviously.
0: <laughs> so okay, so take Highlanders, take Highlanders, and go to Europe and go to the first league in Europe. And go and pluck out a top flight player, one, and come and stick that person into Highlanders as it is today. You think you've created a winning team?
2: I mean Highlanders is a winning team.
0: No, 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 no. no. (laughs) (laughs) Have you have you created a team that can play at the level of this one player brought from Europe?
2: So so the system is is the
0: issue? No, no, I want you to give me an answer.
2: No, I mean, the, the answer is um, no, and unless if you allow that player, if you give that player autonomy to be able to bring in other people that he knows can play well with him, if you create the environment. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in, in, I guess what you're alluding to is I, I am not confident in the system that he's working in anyway. So, so,
0: so in other words, actually, the only question that is relevant to this is: Should Chilimudu, if he is to retain his credibility, still be in this government?
3: And right? Was no.
0: Oh, I would have left it ages ago. The so results are there to speak for themselves. The results speak for themselves.
2: Why do you think he's still in government?
0: Uh, that only he can answer.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: So, yeah, I think the only, the only question and only care is what is he still doing? The evidence is there. Things are not working. One thing he's done well, by the way, which is unfortunate for citizens, he's come up with instruments for taxing us even more to create more room for misbehavior to continue.
3: Yeah.
0: That's one thing he's, he's succeeding in doing. Mm.
3: Okay.
2: Which is
0: sad, actually. Yeah.
2: Um, And um, one thing that I liked that you talked about in the 2018 elections was scaling down government. Um, I think at the time you said to 20 ministers and uh, removing uh, deputy ministers. I just wanted to find, to to check, you know, is that still your stance? And maybe if you could explain it to uh, the people that will be listening to this.
0: No, but you know. So, let, if I, I mean, I wish I, we, I'd known this was coming because I would have done an exercise. What, what is instructive, is to take the the uh, economy size of this country, yeah. its population, yeah. and then, then take other countries in proportionate. Take South Africa, its population and size of the economy. Take the UK, its population and size of the economy, and look at the ratios and see whether you can make any sense or justify the size of administration we have in place. It does not make sense in any dimension. So clearly, relationships are important. If I'm running, I'm flying, I mean, I'm running an airline and I've got a, a three, an Airbus A380, which can carry up to 500 people, You expect the crew to be the largest crew of any size of aircraft, because it carries the, the maximum number of passengers compared to any other. If you find that I'm running a 737 with the same size of crew as a, an A380, you must know that I don't understand business. Yeah. yeah. I hope that, that is clear.
3: No,
2: no, no. I think the answer is and obviously a big, big, bigger government in this case is just more avenues for corruption and looting. And-
0: exactly. Exactly.
1: Can I ask? Like you mentioned, like you gave that analogy of the whole football player um, from you know Premier League. go be mm-hmm. open them to advising um, the opposition, for example, or advising in government. Like, what would your thoughts be on that?
0: Well, It depends on what your question is. My question to you is: Why just not mobilize for people to vote for me? Yes. Why do you want me to go? Advi- you see, I tried. Of all the citizens of this country,
3: yeah.
0: I gave. Mugabe, the benefit of the doubt when he asked me to join him, as a non-party member, Mm -hmm. I joined because I thought you would take my advice. And by the way, what people don't know is that on the day I resigned, I went and spent one and a half hours with him on a face-to-face, explaining to him why I was leaving. Because he wasn't listening to anything I was saying, therefore I was saving no purpose. Mm -hmm. Unless I was inclined to sit there and exploit being a minister, there was, I had no reason to stay in government. That's why I left. So what I have learned that unless the team leader is sufficiently advisable, and, but not just advisable, the team leader, him or herself, has to have certain attributes where you can tell they want to do the right thing for the people. Right. If that condition is not met, you are wasting your time.
3: Right.
2: Okay, that's fair. I think what you've said is really important because I did not know that you uh, had a face-to-face meeting with the president at the time because I think what's out there is, oh, Dr. Nkosana Moya faxed a letter. So is
0: that incorrect? I faxed a confirmation. Oh, okay. A confirmation. After having a face-to-face, and incidentally, the only reason why that was necessary is because he absolutely refused to accept my resignation.
2: Mm. I think that's really important because clearly you've been sort of like the victim of um, propaganda because um, that I did not know this so thank you very much for for, for telling us um,
0: You're Welcome.
2: so I just had a um, just following in from from what um, what you were saying about advising um, I guess the point that I would make is I guess some of the issues that we're dealing with, healthcare, ETC, um, they cannot wait until the next election cycle. And I think Dr. Nkosana, there is a reason why your name keeps coming up because people really value uh, what you think and people know your track record and people you know, do accept that if you were to become president, things would work. So in the meantime, if an opportunity were to arise, You know, to advise whoever, I don't know, the Minister of Finance, opposition, wherever you thought it would be best. Are you saying you you would not do that? You're just focusing on the election?
0: Let me tell you where I think the bit that you are missing. It's very flattering for you to say this and for for you to say people are saying this. The truth of the matter is that in the system today, Mm. there are some very competent, good Zimbabweans. In the health sector, I can tell you I've got friends who are doctors who, advi- who attempt to advise the government and their advice is not taken. So it's not a question of funkosana. There is nothing that I can remember that we say. Government was free to go and take our manifesto and implement it. So it's not a private document. They can take it and implement it. The truth is they are good Zimbabweans, technically competent, who are there in the different sectors right today, who are not being listened to.
2: Okay, no, thank, thank you for that um, So I just wanted to sort of touch on um, I guess I'll just call it as it is Sort of like the tri- What I call sort of like the tribalism issue in, in Zimbabwe yeah. um, You know, that is really baked into everything that we do um, I was speaking to Goli previously And, um, you know, she was saying like, for example Nursing applications still have to go to Harare Um, we know that in terms of just, you know, the history we've alluded to Kukura um, you know, when we're talking about the, the, the way that the state is militarized, um, we've, there's been talk about, you know, just how, for example, the Ndebele language, and I'm just saying Ndebele, I mean, there are other languages as well. The Ndebele language has really been, um, I would say that there's been a violence against the language, um, to the fact that even the passport documents has misspelling in isindebele um mm. you know companies you know I, I would say purposely go out of their way to misspell things in debele and and there's just that there's that tribal issue that 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 is there that that i think will not go away and i know that um i found it interesting that when you were in 2018 i felt like you, you almost had to explain yourself in a way that other other candidates did not have to uh, by explaining your dual heritage um you knowve mom karanga father um and and I felt like oh that's interesting because nobody else sort of has to do that um but because you know gosana moyo, I just want to kind of get your thoughts on you know how how do we move forward in in terms of um I, I guess addressing this tribal issue and also really making Zimbabwe uh, truly a, a home for all, and not just power centric. For example, not shona centric, um, so that ev- and you know so that everyone can um, you know have a slice of the Zimbabwe pie. Okay.
0: I think you are right to to highlight this challenge. But I would also point out that, actually, Zimbabweans left to themselves, in my opinion, are not as tribal as you think. Politicians are using the tribal card to divide Zimbabweans. Mm -hmm. You know, intermarriages uh, within Zimbabwe are not an uncommon uh, issue. Mm -hmm. The whole of the Midlands is essentially both in valley and Shona, which is where I grew up. So I don't think that the challenge is as bad as it appears to be, but politicians are making it a, a, a factor. So I think if you had a, a different leadership, Zimbabwe would transform very, very quickly into a nation where tribe is of no consequence. Tribe is respected, given its place, but not made a, a challenge, a, a problem. That's my view. But unfortunately, it has to, the change has to be led from the top. And at the moment, you know, it's fascinating to be honest with you. Even on radio now, you don't hear standard Shona spoken. You hear Karanga spoken on on radio. As if people are are making a statement that we are here with, you know, it's sad for me to to witness this. Because there is something that was developed called standard Shona, but now Karanga, a, a subset, is being given prominence, which is like a statement to say a particular subgroup is in charge. I think it's driven by the top.
3: Yeah.
1: Thank you for that. Um, And also just talking, just to segue off from that, um, looking at human rights and, you know, uh, something that uh, I think has also been gaining a lot of traction, a lot of, people are outwardly coming out and speaking about their experiences um you know for example uh, the lgbti plus um group there was a question that was actually asked on um on social media by a lady called by somebody called at i am a force who asked you what are your stance what is your stance on the lgbtqia plus rights and Women, women's rights. The answer that was uh, given by, um, by APA at that time was that it's, you know, that basically we are led by the constitution and this is what the constitution, um, the constitution basically is, is what they're guided by, the values of, and which is the values of the people. My question to you again is, is, are we ignoring then the human rights of the people who are represented in the constitution but are not really being given that opportunity to, to be, to live freely, to come out right and say that, oh, I am a gay man or I am a gay woman? Because there has also been, there was a document um, that, was re, that, that kind of revealed that over at least 50%, let me just get this, um, sorry, over fifty percent of gay men in Zimbabwe have been physically assaulted. Like, what? How do we protect their human rights?
0: And what so are you putting a lot of? You are putting a lot of questions. Let's take it step by step. Okay. You are living in the UK at the moment. Yes. When when did uh, uh, gay marriages become uh, allowed in the UK by the legal system in in, in the formalized, institutionalized way? When?
1: So I'm not too sure of the exact time, but for as long as I've been here, it's been something that has been widely... So I'm not too sure of the exact year.
0: No, that's not true. That is not true. Please check it. So the, the importance of... The, say that again.
2: I think it's within the last five to ten years.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So the reason why I'm pointing that out is not so much to, to create a problem for you, mm-hmm. is to understand that... When you are a society, there are rules you agree to be bound by, and there are processes for changing those rules. And so when we say APA is led by the Constitution, mm-hmm. it does not mean that that Constitution is, cannot be changed to accommodate violation of human rights where the society itself begins to say this is not right. If you, you see, part of what bothers me a little bit about this question. Let me give you another anecdote, Mm -hmm. actual example. A few years ago, Uganda went through a democratic parliamentary process dealing with exactly this issue of gay marriages. Mm -hmm. And the parliament in Uganda decided against gay marriages. Mm -hmm. And then the Western world went to war and said we're going to withdraw aid and so on. And yet Uganda had gone through an institutionalized a parliamentary democratic process. And I thought this was very unfortunate because at about the same time, different countries in the Western world were going through exactly the same process but through their parliaments. The Americans, in terms of the army, in fact, I think Trump has just reversed it. The army in the U.S. did not allow gay men. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I think it was Obama, during Obama's administration, where Going through Congress and all of those processes, that was then allowed. And I think Trump has reversed it. As you know, he wants to reverse everything that Obama ever did, yeah? The UK, as I say, gay marriages in the UK have only been allowed within the last few years, not not for as long as you've been there. But what they do is respect their institutions and processes. Mm -hmm. We must learn to do the same, provided people understand that your constitution, is something that can be revisited when the society itself says this particular element of our rules of engagement is not acceptable. Let's have a conversation, and let's go through the process of deciding how we revise it. That is what is important. If Nkosana Moyo said, I want to give to myself the right to say yes or no, you must know you've got a problem. Okay. No, that is fair, that is a fair
2: answer. But no? just to kind of follow up on that, um, I think it's, it's interesting and, and you are right in saying it is an issue that um, even the Western world, um, it, you know, has, has sort of decided on in, in, in recent times. But I think there is an argument that, I guess what you call the right or protections of minoritized groups, shouldn't necessarily be uh, put to a majority to decide. So, for example, in Botswana, um, I believe it was June, last year, June 2019, that the Supreme Court has, um, I think they've, they've put legal protections in place. I think what they've done is they have decriminalized um, same-sex activities because what we have now, you know, and this is just my view, is that I think that community is grappling with a lot, including, you know, what they do being criminalized, right? And there's no pro- yeah. there, there's no protection afforded to them, right? So if, even just from that human level, you know, why should that be there in the constitution? Why why shouldn't why should someone live in fear of violence? And why should that be put through? No, 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 no. I
0: not I agree with you in yeah. terms of see. I think observance of the the rules as they stand Mm -hmm. must at all times exclude people taking the law into their own hands. That's not part of institutionalization. Yeah. Institutional behavior, right or wrongly, if a society chooses to criminalize something, the institutional process is that the courts deal with it, not citizens going beating up people. Mm -hmm. That is not constitutional. Mm -hmm. You understand? So It depends on which element. This issue of people taking, being allowed to take law into their own hands is absolutely wrong, even when they're acting against something that is supposed to be criminal. That is not their role. That's why the courts exist. Mm. Yeah,
3: Yeah? no. Yeah.
0: But in a country like ours, as you know, when you belong to ZANU, you are allowed to commit crime. It does not matter what crime it is. ZANU is above the law and its members are above the law. Mm-hmm. That is not institutional. So let's separate issues and really understand which one we're dealing with. We want to live in a country where law and order means exactly that for everybody, including for the head of state. Mm-hmm. Including for the head of state. Mm-hmm. Okay,
3: thanks. Question
2: about the a vote. Yeah. Um, I wanted to know what APA's view is uh, on the diaspora vote. So I, I think my understanding is currently the constitution um, sort of gives rights to every Zimbabwean to vote, but there is a limiting factor, which um, sort of like has a residential, you know, residential status requirement, um, which, which, which then really naturally excludes the diaspora. Um, yeah. So my question is, like, what's your view on the diaspora vote? Does APA support um, the its diaspora? Is the Muppet diaspora being able to vote? Um, and if so, you know, what are the steps to to us getting there?
0: Okay. So APA supports that because I think that when you look at the pop- the diaspora population of this country, it's huge. It's a huge percentage. Mm. of the population of this country. And uh, when you look at, to the extent that this economy is still functioning, actually, Mm. it's largely because of remittances from the diaspora. We we support the diaspora vote unqualified. We also, however, would uh, would argue that ZANU is never going to give you the diaspora vote. vote. And uh, our view is that, therefore, the diaspora continuing to clamor for the diaspora vote, trying to persuade ZANU appears to me like people are not aware of what ZANU is. Mm. So the diaspora of what people should have, ZANU is not going to give it to you. In the meantime, more importantly for us, is that you don't have a primary vote, but you've got a secondary vote you are not using. Mm. You are not using your networks, which you are using to support your families back here, to engage with them, for them to understand better what is going on and they help them decide how to vote. So you are fixated on the primary vote, which you'll never get for as long as ZANU, because ZANU considers the majority of the diaspora to be against them. So they won't give you the vote. OK, no, no. The, Is that, that clear enough?
2: No, it's, it's very clear enough. I think what I would like, sort of like following up at, at a later stage, hopefully we'll be able to do something like that. Absolutely, any time.
0: With, you time
2: with you. Um, because for me, Every time I ask this question, the answer is yes, but I'm unclear what the tangible steps are for us to get there practically, because 2023 is not far. You, you
0: cannot, you will not get it until the government changes. Right. Understand okay. this, okay?
3: <laughs> That's that yeah. fair.
1: That's, okay. <laughs> um, just very quickly, as you said before, you know, you're upper and you are very much more town hall. Town hall stuff, like town hall, um, you know, pushing a town hall uh, conversation kind of thing. Would you be willing to meet up with a few people, like from, like, as we are online just now, creating a platform where we can have a conversation like this um, in the near future? Anytime.
0: Yeah. Anytime. Okay. That's we'll, good to know. We'll okay. definitely be in touch.
2: We'll definitely pick okay. you up on that. Um, and just. No,
0: to- that would be my pleasure. <laughs>
2: And just to sort of end, because um, I know we have to go quickly. Um, so there, there are a few things that people may not know about you um, that I found interesting. That firstly, yeah. that you're a pilot. Um, and secondly, that you you came up with the name Econet or inspired mm-hmm. that version of that name. So I just wanted to find out from you, you know, do you still fly? In? And I was interested in the Econet story.
0: <laughs> no, I, I've not. I'm not current. In, that's the term. I'm not current with my license. Right. But yes, I'm qualified as a pilot, but and, and I can. Re, in fact, I'm tempted to go back and, and get my reinstate my pilot. I might just do it one of these days. And okay. yes, I, and Strive himself has put it out in the public domain, so it's not coming from me even. Yeah. Strive himself has acknowledged that we helped. When I was running Standard Chartered Merchant Bank, we helped him with his whole Econet uh, fights. And then when he came up with a very long name, I am the one who said, listen, just call it e Yeah. No,
2: yeah. I, I, I thought that was fascinating. Uh, we, we, we may come to you for other branding ideas.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's fine.
2: Yeah, but no, thank you, Dr. Moyo. This has been quite an insightful conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, You know, you've really impressed upon us the role that citizens have to play. And I think going forward, we'll try and, I guess, be a bit more introspective and see, you know, what role we can do. I do hope that we'll have um, another opportunity uh to speak with you um perhaps in a more interactive setting where we can have more people um but you know really thank you so much for your time and thank you, thank
0: you very much. it's a, it's, a great, it's pl- the pleasure is all mine so yeah let's let's do it somewhere and put more people include more people
3: definitely for sure
0: thank you very much
3: you very much thank you